0: Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Boddy. This is Episode 12, Courtney Goes to Washington, Act 1, Ripples of Light in the Midst of Darkness, recorded March 12th and 13th, 2018, in Washington, D.C.
1: plus B. The one-size-fits-all prudent kid's all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.
2: listeners, too many things are happening daily that are heartbreaking and terrible. I find myself at a complete loss to address the hate-filled rhetoric and policies that have been spewing from this White House administration and more specifically, this president. This current administration has policies that go against essentially everything that I stand for and believe. Immigration, healthcare, gun laws, climate change, education, arts, you name it. The vitriol of this president, who, who frankly is not interested, no matter how much he likes to think of himself as one, he's not interested in unifying in deepening the wedges between Americans. He is constantly supported by his cabinet members like the vice president and his staff members like the press secretary, hashtag Suckabee. His language is laced with signals that is music to the white nationalist ear. These are people who will take these statements, tweets, rallies, what have you, and get moved to action to perpetrate real world violence and oppression from yelling at someone in a grocery store for speaking another language, to voter intimidation at the polling sites, to sending explosives to democratic leaders, or to going into a place of worship like the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh to take the lives of innocent people. I have no words. I have no words that can console because I am still processing. I took a step back from social media because I didn't, I couldn't. I've taken a slow, slow step back in. But I have been... um listening to podcasts and story actually is one that I find solace in and also makes me cry a lot. And I was listening to a story episode that was about Robert Kennedy. And towards the end of the episode, I heard a portion of the speech that he made at the university of Cape town in South Africa in 1966, which was about two years before he was um, assassinated and the words in this speech, or the excerpts, struck me deeply. So I thought I'd read some. Quote, We must recognize the, few, the full human equality of all of our people, before God, before the law, and in the councils of government. We must do this, not because it is economically advantageous, Although it is, not because the laws of God command it, although they do. Not because people in other ha- lands wish it so. We must do th- do it for the single and fundamental reason that it is the right thing to do. And the road is strewn with many dangers. First is the danger of futility. The belief that there is nothing one man or one woman can do against the enormous array of the world's ills, against misery, against ignorance, or injustice and violence. Each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest of walls of oppression and resistance. My friends, election day is tomorrow. Be a ripple tomorrow and every day in my very small ways to be somewhat of a ripple. In this episode series, I go to Washington in March 2018. Specifically, I went down for Arts Advocacy Day to support the NEA to Congress members at the start of the fiscal year 2019 budget process Once again, the White House had made a uh, proposal, budget proposal uh, in which the NEA budget was to be slashed. There were a range of 600 to 700 delegates from across the country participating, which meant that all Congress members would be engaged in these discussions. Now this was the second time uh, I was participating and they made me team captain of a group where we visited two Congress members whose districts are in New York City. Carolyn Maloney, who's in District 12, and Jerry Nadler, who's in District 10 within New York. And in this act, you'll hear me actually recap the weekend prior, I had a very packed itinerary where I was trying to take full advantage of all that Washington had to offer. In my diaries and recap, I cover a host of type, of different types of uh, topics and deep thoughts. I hope you enjoy episode 12, Courtney Goes to Washington, Act 1, Ripples of Light in the Midst of Darkness. Hi, TA listeners. It's Courtney J. Boddy here. Arts Advocacy Day. This will be my second year going to Arts Advocacy Day. Um, and this is run, run by the Americans for the Arts. And it's very coordinated. Um, and the schedule is like packed to the minute, literally. Uh, this is my second time coming to Arts Advocacy Day. And I was incredibly excited. Um, but... What I ended up doing was sort of making a full weekend out of it, spending time in the D.C. area, um, because my cousin, David, um, he works for the state or he works for the government. To that end, I went down Friday by train, which is, you know, it's like a three and a half, four hour train ride, pretty simple, and um, spent the weekend with him. And we had a kind of a packed itinerary. But I want to tell you about my ride down there, actually. So I found a seat and I ended up sitting next to this young man who we like almost within, I would say, five minutes of, of taking off, talked the entire time. Uh, and he was coming from college. It was spring break. And so he was going home in Philadelphia. And so we spoke. We talked the whole time from New York to Philadelphia and he was a freshman I'm blanking on the college name but he was studying to um, be able to enter the Coast Guard and I, I imagined as he was telling me the different stories or the different ways that he has to um, behave and learn in the the structures of the the college and that life it seemed very similar to West Point right so it's the same concept except it's for The Coast Guard and not the Army or or the Navy or something like that. So Ryan lived uh, outside, just like in a suburb of Philadelphia. And he spoke with such passion and just such like, uh, you know, the vim and vigor of a, of a 18 or 19 year old freshman. Um, but we talked about everything. I told him where I was going and what I was doing and what I do. And he was really impressed with that. And he was saying how, how important it is to him to, to give back, having grown up in a, you know, an upper middle class, um, neighborhood, uh, having family, being a part of a family that is white, um, that it, it, he could also see that there's a lot of things that he has that other young men his age don't have. And why is that? And, um, what can he do to make sure that he's serving his country, but also serving his community? And we, I mean, we literally talked about racism, education. We talked about, um, uh the parkland shooting and we talked about you know gun violence and our government and um the way he spoke you know it was it was you know this was before the the sorry the march that happened um and it was refreshing actually <laughs> refreshing to speak with somebody who is um, clearly not of my generation is you know the next generation and or two generations actually and um, it gave me some hope it gave me some definitely a boost into the weekend to think about why I was going down knowing what my itinerary was Um, thinking about just all components of how I want to operate in this world and what kind of mechanisms I have for my voice in terms of activation and active uh, activism um and things to do I mean and I don't know he he was he he was a good kickoff that conversation was a good kickoff to my weekend and again just I I as we were getting closer to Philadelphia I, I felt like ooh, do I say something about how I've enjoyed this this conversation how I've really um you know I'm impressed by, by the way he's viewing the world and hope to encourage him to continue to, you know, keep his eyes open and, and do, you know, whatever it is that he wants to do as he moves forward in his college career and, and then, you know, getting into the Coast Guard and that work. Um, So I did, (laughs) and he really appreciated that. And he was, um, yeah. It was, he was he was some 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 part of me was thinking about who I was at 18 19 and i remember being that sort of not wide-eyed but i wasn't as informed i feel i feel as he was but i definitely was starting to see the world differently and um it's a good time that that age right um But this idea of, like, young people being moved to act, to do, to give back, to demonstrate, to march, to speak out, um, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it and um, inspired by it. So that was the start of my weekend. And then... um, um, I, I met up with my cousin and, uh, you know, just a, a lovely Friday evening. And then the next day we did a very simple, we had a simple day. It was a simple day of beauty and shopping. We went and got our nails done <laughs> and uh, did a little shopping, a little eating. Um, and then went to go see Black Panther. And this was actually our second time each uh so we'd each seen it on our own and now we're watching it together and we were down in Georgetown I don't know if you've seen Black Panther but uh if you haven't you should everybody should see it it's doing real well in the theaters um and uh now uh it's surpassed Titanic in terms of box office sales Just crazy and awesome and um it's been playing in countries where movies are banned. <laughs> so something's happened. Something's happening. And I, I'm i here for it. I'm here for all of it. Um, so the first time I saw Black Panther, I was... Um, well in preparation for black panther i read the graphic novels the the reboot of the graphic novels um i saw uh some animated uh, uh series that black, uh, bet did um, on youtube and other um, cartoon or animated series would do like snippets of of black panther and then um you know i just went down the rabbit hole and was about it i also love pretty much every single actor that's in this movie um and got got to know some actors that i didn't know before um <sighs> the first time i saw it i i went alone and i was just about like the story and the action and the you know just understanding who these characters were and all that the second time gave me an opportunity to think about and watch for the the characters and the relationships and the sort of um, direction or the directive um, parts. So how uh, the visuals, right? How he uh, the director Ryan Coogler was um, really telling the story and connecting parts what seemed like parts of himself into this work um and for me black panther is a lot of things but um i think when it comes down to it i'm i'm most interested in relationships i'm most interested in the concept of love and that everything comes down to love um it's when i was you know really focusing on on acting and and studying acting specifically Everything in terms of my character building was about love, lack of love, unrequited love, love of your parents, love for someone. Um, you know, anytime I needed to cry, I would think about you know things that had something to do with my parents in some way, or not having my parents. And you know, there's a whole other <laughs> other conversation to be had around that, but it's a beautiful story and it's a, it's a sad story, to be honest. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason why people, when people do talk about Black Panther, there's a lot, you know, to unpack there, but it's not like a lot of other, um, uh, hero, action hero stories or movies. Um, I think it's because of the fact that there's, um, there's this depth of uh love and what happens when that when the source of that love is taken away and that i think is kind of beautiful and also incredibly sad Uh, or you realize that it's changed because of more information So I'm trying not to do any spoiler alerts in case you haven't seen it, (laughs) but um, I highly recommend it anyway. So that, that was um, for me, that was a really great uh, experience to share that with my cousin and have those conversations with my cousin, but also to, to think about the meaning, the various meanings of um, this particular film that some may understand and others don't. And, um i think the ones who do outweigh the ones who don't and this is important um it's Im- it's important for uh you know people of of color most specifically i think african americans and africa's africans to see themselves represented on on such a large scale um and to be able to recognize um a lot of themselves in Um, in those relationships, in those conversations, in the, uh, characters and in the, um, and then there's this whole other sort of Afrofuturism, um, wave that is definitely happening that I don't know enough about to be able to speak eloquently, but I'm intrigued by and, um, I'm supportive of and, um, want to find ways that that can be, um, those conversations, excuse me, uh, the, the, the conversations, the thought, the, 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 the curriculum, there's a curriculum that I've seen based on this film. Um, and you can really do like a school wide project around all the different, uh, themes and subjects that are born out of or shared with this particular film in a way that, you know, a lot of other movies just don't have in that, in that, um, larger context. So I think it's good. I think it's really good. So it gave me a lot to think about. Sunday. Sunday. I went to uh, to start the day I went to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. We had two tickets. We got in around 10.30 or so. This place is really impressive on the National Mall. There's this A picture that I have um, from the side of the museum where you see this museum that on the outside looks similar to um, the design is emblematic of a slave ship and um, what looks like stocks like uh, cotton. Is built or uh, grown uh, and harvested. It's pretty impressive. Um, and if at a certain angle you can see the Washington Monument. And so there's this really cool and interesting, I would say, juxtaposition between the Washington Monument and this museum. Um, first of all, museums especially museums that are historical museums you know there's no way that you can tackle them in, <laughs> in one visit so I will definitely be going back um the exhibit that we spent the most amount of time in our I did uh was uh the concourse uh or uh, c3 concourse 3 Uh, Which is slavery and freedom, and it starts at 1400 through 1877. That is a lot to cover, and it is amazing, simply amazing. You go down in this elevator, and you are you exit the elevator into this pretty cramped space, Um, and it's sort of it's about Africa and what life was like in an in Africa prior to just prior to slavery. And, um, yeah, it's super narrow. There's a lot of people there and you you can easily get sort of claustrophobic. Um, and then you sort of take this journey and you learn things that I know I, the kind of detail that I was learning, I knew a lot, but not to the level of detail that I was able to digest. Um, For me in a museum, often I'm like in an arts museum, I get art fatigued. And um, so what I'll do is I'll sort of skim and walk through things until I see something that strikes my eye. And I'll sort of spend some time with it. And then I skim again until I see something new and... um, I think because our brain, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's like theories on this and, and probably research, but, you know, to take in a lot of information is tiring. It's sort of like when you're on, on the first day of a job or like the first week of a job, at the end of that, you are like exhausted because you've in ta- you've taken in so much information and you're trying to process all of it. I think it's the same concept. So the difference I found here was that I really was trying to take in and I wasn't tired. I was getting more pumped, I guess. Um, but it took me a really long time. My cousin uh, somehow, I, I, I definitely lost him at a point. And then I saw him, he's very tall, so I could see him like way ahead. And then next thing I knew, I was like, I don't know where he, where he is. We'll find each other. And hours had gone by, hours had gone by and he'd already gone up like several levels. So as far as I got was through slavery and many details and many tears. And then it sort of um, dumps you out into this larger, more expansive space um, where you see Jefferson's like statues of Jefferson and other people. Um, And the constitution is on, or the beginning of the constitution is on the wall. And then they had, I, I think what was a replica of the constitution, it was pretty great to read that a little bit more like so close. It wasn't the original definitely, but it was, it, it was, um, uh, it looked similar. (laughs) Um, and that was very telling and, and, and clearly strategical, (laughs) strategic. Um, and then they have like houses, where people slaves lived, and then at once people were freed, where they lived, which was kind of intense. I don't know if you, if you, I don't know. That was intense. All of it was intense. Um, and then they had like um, voiceovers of slave narratives. Um, yeah, it's it's worth it. The thing that I was um, struck by was that it wasn't just, I don't know what I had imagined, but the patrons were very diverse. And that was um, something that made me very happy and a little surprised, but I don't know why I should have been surprised, but I, I was, um, I I end up being able to sort of m- m- move a little bit more swifter because we had someplace to go and then end up in um this next tier which was um defending freedom defining freedom the era of segregation in 1876 uh, to 1968 um and I got as far as a lunch counter and behind the lunch counter was more sort of um, segmented features uh, of of different leaders or people who were part of the um, civil rights movement, and um, and then there's this like planes from the Tuskegee Airmen, um, sort of ha- hanging above uh, one of the ramps going up. Um, it, it it was it was amazing. Um, but that's as far as I got, really. I saw the Oculus, which was also amazing. Um, but I haven't been able to get too far beyond, um, 1968. And even that, I, I was sort of, uh, going out a clip. So, uh, there are, uh, another, like, f- three or four levels. <laughs> so definitely have to go back. Um... I highly recommend it. The other thing I will say is I was seeing some fabulous hair. I want to talk about hair first, just a second. Hair. Natural hair. Hair. Just all the hair. Women hair. Women's hair. uh, It's a real thing in all different cultures. It's a real thing. I went natural um, in, uh, I think, 2005, I want to say, 2005. Uh, Prior to that, I had, like, like a chemical curl in my hair and which I is the only sort of hair do I knew or the style or the method of getting curly hair that I knew because I was doing it since I was like 10 and prior to that, my thick hair, my parents would press it but it would always get messy and they just kind of got tired of dealing with my hair. And so that's what I, I basically had a Jerry curl. That's right. I said it. Um, And at a certain point, I sort of, living in Brooklyn, I was like, look at all these beautiful women with their hair. I want hair like that. I went natural. I just chopped off all the hair that was processed. And I had a little fro. I had no idea what I was doing. And I bought a book. And I tried multiple products. And meanwhile, I'd see beautiful women with their unbelievable twists and curls and, you know, different hairstyles. And I just thought someday I'm going to look like that. It's going to be great. And um, one day, I guess it was, it was, it was probably 2009. So for like four or five years, I was just sort of flailing on my own and looking at YouTube clips and doing whatever I could. And, and at that point, actually, the kind of clips like the, the the tutorials that you we have now weren't really as as prevalent so it was it was like digging and trying to find stuff um and I had gone to a couple different hairstylists and they were okay um and one day I went to go meet my friend for brunch and I I think I just like I just washed my hair and like put it up in a like a poof and went on my merry way and I sit down, we're sitting outside and I order my drink or whatever. And there's a, a group of women at the table next to us who are looking fabulous and all have beautiful sister hair. And, and it's, you know, it's all happening. And one of them look over at me, looks over at me and says, um, hey, I'm a stylist. Here's my card. You should call me. I was like, Oh, okay, sure. And, she, and then, you know, she sort of went back and then she turned back around. And she said, you know, um, I could really help you. And I was like, okay, sure. And, you know, sort of like not feeling it. And then she said something and this was the thing. She's like, you know, I, I think you're really cute and I really can't help you and I only have cute clients. And I was like, now you did it. You appealed to my vanity and now I'm in, <laughs> and so she's been my stylist ever since. Her name is Wendy. Wendy Maganly. Um, and she's got a a business called Wendy uh, Hair by Wendy. Um, if anybody wants her information, I'd be happy to share. She's she's a jam. She really is. Um, if you like my my hair color, if you like my hairstyle, that's all Wendy. That's a very little Courtney. <laughs> um, and she can do all sorts of styles. What I know about hair is not a lot. I know what I like to see. I love that I see. I am seeing more and more women being natural. I have definitely drunk that Kool Aid. Um, I will never go back to chemicals. Never, never, never. Um, I am am really lucky that I have found somebody who understands my hair and has been helping me to understand my hair, and um, also like worked that hair into my lifestyle and my way of operating in, in the world and um hates that I swim but has taught me how to take care of my blonde hair as I'm swimming and um I think there's a lot of pride in that too and there's a there's a whole conversation around how women had to cover up their hair um and in Africa like hair is a sign of um fortune and um status and how um we can be the object of of um attention and during that you know uh, uh, uh this slavery um how we were made to cover up the hair and told that our hair was not right that kinky is is wrong and curly and big and, and beautiful is wrong, and I feel like we've definitely come um, to the other. I hope that to the other side of that. Um, it, that's what it feels like to me, and I, I'm. I know that there's still more to go, but um, I know that part of the reason why my parents chose to have me do something that would manage quote unquote my hair was exactly the same thing. They thought that my thick hair in its curls was wrong, um, you know, and and we would be viewed, on, viewed at in the, the quote-unquote wrong way. I know that's what was going on. My dad was very, very fixated on all of our hair and what it looked like and how and why and... Um, I think that's, you know, definitely learned, a learned attitude um, and a learned um, action of what to do and how to, like, my mom had wigs um, and her, her hair is quite fine. So that's the other thing is that I discovered, like, oh, like, I actually have thick hair. Oh, I actually have nice curls. I just need, like, a piece, some product that will help keep it defined. Okay, That's it. Great. 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 (laughs) Like I don't, I, you know, so it was a definite discovery for me to learn as my hair was growing out, especially in those first couple years and really learning things on my own, that I was learning about who I was through my hair, through understanding the textures of my hair and what, what it did and what it didn't do. And then with Wendy, it just sort of got elevated where she was able to show me what else it could do and what else it is. Um, So when it's curly in its most natural state, it is sort of bouncy. Um, And I think the texture has definitely changed since I've been dyeing it because it's usually really tight curls. And now it's a little bit like longer, more uh, S curls. And... Um, and then when she blows it out or she twists it or, you know, it just, there's a lot of possibilities for my hair, which is part of me. Like there's different facets to me, right? In a person, wow, I just went off on on the hair thing. Okay. Anyway, my point is pride. (laughs) Well, my ultimate point is that nobody should be made to feel inferior because of their hair or the way they look that we have the ability to learn from each other and celebrate each other because of those differences, because my hair isn't like your hair. I want to celebrate that as opposed to knock it down and say, why isn't your hair like mine or why is my hair not like yours? No, I'm tired of that narrative. A narrative is destructive and unnecessary, just unnecessary. Okay. So that's Black Panther. <laughs> and that's the African American museum of history and culture. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm excited to go back actually. It was a good day. It was a good day to be in DC. Now DC is on the political uh level not so much for me right now. I'm I'm really just (sighs) tired of that but um i i was digging being in dc actually so from there we went to the kennedy center so turnaround arts um they started with eight schools um in its first year and then now work with close to 80 i think it's 77 but let's say eight close to 80 and they are going to continue to take on new schools in subsequent school years so it's a thriving program um the event okay so one thing that was great was i ended up sitting next to somebody that i knew and somebody i didn't know at all and we all had all the feels. <laughs> so we got there a little early. My cousin was there, but we ended up having seats in different places. Anyway, um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Kennedy Center. I feel like I've talked about it before, but it's, um, it's kind of my favorite place in DC. Um, Cause so much, so much arts happens there. Um, I also just love that you can stand on the terrace and helicopters can come by <laughs> at any given time. Um, I just think that it's this really cool art center in the midst of, you know, um, you know, it can feel like a really a hard place anyway. Um, so we get to the the location, we get into our, our seats. I'm sitting next to, um, Drew Malmuth, who you actually hear me talking to, uh, later. And, um, this other woman that I don't know her name, but together, we all experienced this event. And, um, what I, what, I loved about this showcase was, and I'd never been to it before, but what I loved about the showcase was that it was trying to tell a story, right? Um, Here are schools who have applied to be a part of this program, gone in. There are a great deal of um, requirements for how a school is to get turned around. These are low performing schools and um, they're, they're asking for help. Right, they they want support. Um, I don't know the 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 layers of details to be honest with you. Um, Maybe I'll learn them over time. But the overall goal is that these low performing schools will be turned around through infusing the school with arts. Um, each school has a, uh, like a celebrity that is actually uh, their me- the school mentor. Um, and this is a person who will also advocate for them, uh, uh, in multiple ways. And so people who are, are, uh, the celebrities are people like Jessica, Sarah, uh, uh Jessica, Sarah, sorry, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, Jessica Parker, Yo-Yo Ma, um, Lil Buck is one, um, uh, who else, Jason Mraz, Josh Grobin, a whole bunch of people are are these mentors, these artist mentors. And then the school will partner with local arts organizations um, to work with the students in their classrooms, after school, um, do professional development uh, for the teachers and the administration. And um, through all of these different, um, uh, interventions. Um, there, what there have been some research that attendance has grown, uh, increased, um, students are doing better on their tests. I'm hoping that they're going to be looking at more than just instrumental, um, impacts, but, uh, you know, that, that's the point. So I, it makes sense that that's what they're focusing on. But, um, what I saw happening on that stage were some more intrinsic, impacts of the arts um one these kids I mean they're not performers like they're not artists necessarily and that's I don't think that's the point of the program but here was an op is an opportunity for the uh the program to showcase what the process of of having exposure participating in arts art making can do for young people um so as a talent show, it wasn't like the most talented kids were up on that stage, but what it was were kids who had written original pieces, who had created original work or had been working on something that was meaningful to them and sharing that with us. Um so th- so yeah, the minute a a a kid stepped on stage, I was I was bawling from from start to finish pretty much. Um And so the first act was a a group of students from a school in Hawaii, and they sang, um, uh, I think what was an original song that was set to uh, a traditional Hawaiian dance that was about water, I believe. And it was beautiful. So half the students were doing this dance, and the other half were singing this lovely song and playing ukuleles, and it was just, oh my God, and they were maybe like 10 years old. That was the other thing that was nice actually that the, across all the acts, all the schools, it really was from elementary through high school. Um, there was a mariachi band where this young woman just, I mean, she was probably like 17 or 18, or she had come back. I could, she seemed older than the other kids, but she had this voice oh my goodness! Um, and just this presence that was. Amazing, um, there was a group of students who had written a, an original piece to um, Frederick Douglass's life, the la Hamilton. Um, so rapping, dancing, acting, all of it happening, um, narration within that rapping. I mean, ugh. and it was yeah, it was very strong, and that was high schoolers. Um, there was another group of dancers um, who were. Uh, I forget what the title of the piece was called, but it, uh, there was some spoken word as part of it. So they started out with the, these I am and these all these negative qualities. I am ugly, I am short, I am fat, I am, you know, this. And, you know, you can't make me feel all these things. And then they danced and it was really touching. And then they ended the piece. So they bookended it with I am, I am, I am enough. And so I had turned to the woman next to me in the midst of that piece who I did not know. And I saw her like wiping away tears. And I just said, I know, right? And she's like, this is incredible. And, um, you know, it just, it was, it was for me, it was an affirmation of why I do what I do (laughs) and why we do what we do. Right. It's It was an opportunity for me to see, you know, something that I'm not directly tied to and still know that, you know what, when, when kids have a way of expressing, when they have the tools, the strategies, the, the access, um, and somebody there encouraging them, they can do anything. Um, the other thing that I was thinking throughout was here's, here 's what America is, like here we are in the nation 's capital, and we 've got you know people at the uh, at the federal level in the top you know tiers of the fe- federal level and the executive branch who are just trying to tamp down on all of this because they don 't understand or they don 't care or they 're not seeing what is real and re- what 's really necessary. And yet here is this shining beacon of a place, the Kennedy Center, holding all of this arts and encouraging these young kids to be able to share what they have to offer. Right? I mean, what? What better? What? what? Yes. Yes, I say yes to this. America. This is what America is. It's, it's kids of color. It's poor kids. It's, you know, people who have resources to give and share and embrace. And, you know, it's different cultures that I was seeing uh, showcased on that stage and, and loving it, loving every minute of it and wanted more. I want more. There should be more, which is why I was down there, right? So... And why I continue to do what I do. Uh, Yep, just got a little teary-dye there. If you don't know, I cry. I cry a lot. The thing I I remember in, like, going back into my mind movie of that experience, my memory of that experience, is what I see now is light. Um, The amount of confidence that those kids had on that stage, especially at the end when they all sort of come out... um, And there's a song that they sang. I can't remember what song it was because all I saw was light Um, and tears. I was crying a lot. And um, there was this little, (laughs) there was this little nugget. She was like maybe six or seven and she just was beaming with confidence and immediately drew my eye at least. And, 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 you know, how many times has that little one been told no or that she's not enough and somebody is telling her that she is enough for her to feel that confident on such a large stage with such a large amount of people in the in the audience you know like there's just it's incredible so that weekend that event seeing black panther going to the museum uh, African American Museum, all of these moments in my weekend really boosted me up for Arts Advocacy
0: Day. Thank you for listening to episode 12, act one of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Boddy. Courtney goes to Washington, ripples of light in the midst of darkness. Join us next time for act two, Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Jono Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. And now on Instagram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.
1: Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.